Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast, the podcast that helps you make those ellipses count. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 writer, foster child advocate. And this week, I'm happy and so sad that Summer League swim team is over, but mostly happy, I think, because I'm hot. <laughs> I'm kind of happy on your behalf. It's like 105 yeah. all week. <laughs> oh, it's too hot. Too hot. <laughs> And I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and this week gainfully employed. And we'll be getting to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, you, we'll Briar. We'll talk <laughs> all about that today. Briar Doherty is back with us uh, for part two. She was here episode 125, which was not long ago, just a few weeks by the time you're listening to this. But in case you need a reminder, Briar is the founder and CEO of Career Organic, dedicated to helping professionals make career transitions at all levels. She has been a hiring manager for the past 20 years, growing internal and external teams and professionals. She speaks, teaches, and mentors across international markets, staying current on industry trends and hiring practices across the globe. So yeah, we're going to talk about Invisalign in my look, listen, learn, but (laughs) maybe it has to come out for podcasts. That's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back, Briar. We are so glad. To, well, I've been seeing you a lot lately, and we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about that. We usually have our guests do a 101, uh, but since you did that already a few weeks ago, if anybody has not listened to that episode, definitely go to episode 125. There's tons of great information there as well. But one of the we wanted to have you back anyway, just because yeah. we never got to anything about interviews. Or about LinkedIn, and we'll see if we get to LinkedIn today because I've got a ton of interview questions. Um, (laughs) But at at the very end of that podcast episode, you mentioned JSM, your JSM group, which is a Slack channel for job seekers, which is packed full of live coaching as well as a bunch of recorded, pre-recorded sessions. And it just sounded so interesting. And it was like you had it on a good deal, like half price or whatever. And I was like, I'll do it for a month. You know, what could it hurt? And within three weeks, I had a new job. And so I said, I need to put an asterisk there that, you know, actual results may vary. I don't know that that is necessarily what happens for everybody. But whether I had ended up with a job out of this or not, such valuable information in there. And I don't think that just based on the little tiny amount of time that we gave you to talk about it in the last episode that I really understood what a treat I had in store for me. So can we spend a little time talking about what that membership, what that channel is? So first, I wanted to say it's so great to see you in this setting again. Um, We were working together in JSM, which is the Job Seeker Membership with Career Organic. And what we launched first, and it was at the beginning of this year, was a Job Seeker channel. And when we talk about channels, we're talking about categories, phases of a job search. And so that was our main priority is to really be able to launch something that was affordable but also filled with resources and live coaching, which a lot of programs don't include now. Um, I've been seeing over the past few years that all of these courses are launching. And so the individual has to go through the course on their own. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? What happens when you're reading a course on interviewing and you have a question or you want to ask, am I doing this right? And so Since 2017, I've been getting these questions from people who couldn't afford our one-on-one services. 
And so it's been my mission to figure out a platform where it's affordable, but we're also able to still meet everyone where they are in their job search at that moment. And took a little bit of iterating um, over the past few years. And and with COVID, um, we actually launched the first version right as COVID was coming out. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of took that down and started to to noodle on other ways to do it. And so what we launched this year is our first channel, our first category, which is for job seekers, active job seekers. So we cover interview prep, we cover networking, we actually have our community manager who will find out what each individual member is looking for and curate jobs in the market, pull them into this channel so you can actually start to see what's out there. And one-on-one support. So if you had a question, we actually will bring those into our Q&A sessions, which are live. We curate content on live workshops, such as this past week, we did a really fun one on how do you use AI to create content for your LinkedIn mm. profile. So we can dive in there a little later as well. I do want to. Yeah. Do and then, and then for JSM, it, it's kind of bigger picture this year is that we're going to be launching a growth and development category. So Suzanne, you get that job and you need to learn, how do I set boundaries? How do I do performance reviews? How am I documenting this path that I'm on? So there is going to be a whole segment dedicated to that, as well as our career flux, which is career transitions before we start looking. Mm. This is a big one. We have a lot of teachers, a lot of military professionals transitioning. They have no idea what's next. And so before kicking off off an active job search, we realized that we need to be able to support them in finding out those motivators, feeling confident in the skill set that they're bringing to the table. And so there's a lot of pre-work that needs to happen before you go and start applying. And then our, our really fun one that we actually launched a few years ago in course format is for students. So both high school and collegiate level. So making that transition is completely different than any other time in your career. And so we have a ton of resources, some really fun um, video that we've already done, but also being able to meet them where they are so that we can, again, get the community involved in this and help people not feel alone while they're learning. I mean, there's (laughs) so much there. We're going to try to unpack and talk about as much of it as we can today. Yes. I'm thinking about the questions we were thinking about before this. I don't know. We're just going to start. Are you just going to wing it? Are you having questions? I'm going to wing it a little bit, but I do (laughs) want to talk about the interview process because that's something when we left off last time that we were like, we need to dive into interviews. So I'm just going to start there and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. But some of us, I imagine some of our listeners and some of us sitting right here really haven't had an interview in a long time. I think I've had one interview in the last five years and I got the job, but I remember thinking at the time I was completely unprepared. I, I, interviews are different. It was a group interview. I was, it was a panel of people talking to me. I was completely unprepared, somehow made it work, but things have changed. Things are different. And if you haven't done it in the last couple of weeks, like Suzanne did, what (laughs) kinds of interviews are happening right now? What should we be preparing for? And what are the mistakes people make other than like just not preparing like I did? Sure. So when I think about interviewing, I think about it in stages. So 
most often you're going to be getting an initial screening request. Okay. It doesn't happen for everybody. Um, but, but most companies will do a pre-screen. So the talent acquisition team or the, you know, external recruiter reaches out, says, Hey, I saw your profile. I'd be interested in speaking with you. And it is a quick call. And so I want to start there. So most okay. people forget that this person needs to know your technical acumen quicker than any other interview because they are screening you to move you forward in a longer interview process. And so a lot of people prepare stories and like this whole big thing and forget, why did you apply to this company? What's your strength and skill set? Like sincerely, like, can you, you know, if you're going for a coding job, are you using Python? Are you using C++? Are you front end, back end? Where are you stronger? And so it's just the basics. The additional piece is doing the research on the company and the role, because that's often where that question comes up is, well, what was interesting about this role that you applied? Because they're screening people out. If you say, well, I'm just hunting for a job because I'm desperate, (laughs) you might not make it to that next round. So literally being prepared for that. The additional piece that a lot of people miss on the screening call is they don't take it seriously. And so Mm. I've seen people miss it because they pick it up in the grocery store and they're like, yeah, sure. I can talk now, but they're not paying attention. They, they feel distant to that recruiter and that's their one shot to move forward. And so instead my, my big tip for screening calls is be prepared and be in an environment just like you would be for the longer, you know, second phase, third, final round interview, because it's just as legitimate as any other phase in those rounds. Does that make sense? Yeah. And these calls aren't surprise calls, right? Like sometimes if, if they someone's are. picking, they are. Okay. So if that happens and it's a surprise, it, can you say, oh my goodness, I'm in the grocery store. Correct. Can, can we find a time? That's okay. Correct. And, okay. and so this is where people feel pressure to take it. And I would rather, and, and I'm a hiring manager and I've been a hiring manager for years now. And so If I ever surprise, I wouldn't surprise call somebody first, but (laughs) if I was like, oh my goodness, I just have to call this person right at this second. And I called and they sounded a little off and they said, Hey, I'm like driving my grandma to the store. Can (laughs) I call you later? Can we set up another time? I would never be offended. I'd actually look at that as an asset because they're mindful of their time and they're professional, like immediately. Mm -hmm. So all I would urge someone to do though, is make sure you can create availability very quickly, because if they're in the screening process, there's probably one to three day window where they're trying to shortlist. So if you're getting that phone call, try and get back on the call as soon as possible. So that's that phase sense. one. So now you have lovely rapport with this recruiter and they're like, I want to you know, invite you to the actual interview process. And so now you're meeting with the hiring team. And so depending on the type of role that you're going after, typically this is not your supervisor that you're interviewing with first. It's typically team members. So it can be a peer. It can be someone who's a level up from the role that you're interviewing for. It could be an HR professional. And here's where those questions about, you know, tell me about yourself. Tell me a little bit about your history. And then some of those situational questions. And so I think about situational questions from we're doing, tell me, you know, tight timeline, tell me how you've worked through difficult people, 
Tell me when you've had to collaborate or work solo. And so this is where preparing stories starts to come into play. And so coming up with your stories and, and kind of how I teach it. And Suzanne probably saw this if she was watching those videos is I typically pick three to five strong stories. And, and so a lot of interviewers, I think one of the biggest mistakes everybody makes is that they come up with like 10 to 12 different stories to try and fit all the variants that you're going to get in an interview. Mm. And what happens is that you forget the story. Right. Right? So so you try and recall it and you're like, oh, that wasn't like my favorite project, but it does go over a tight timeline instead of pulling these strong passion stories of yours into the mix and being able to utilize them for different pieces. And what this does during that interview is it helps them come out of it. So say it was a panel interview, because it could be first round internal team panel interview. It could be three people say on the design team, on the marketing team, on the ops team, right? So like all these different people. And as they're asking you questions, you get to dive deeper into the layers of the story. And so when one of your answers might not have resonated, say with the design team, but it did did hit the ops. Oh, I like that process. And Mm -hmm. then you get to explain a little deeper for another question now you're hitting all of the points. You're, you're becoming a much more dynamic interviewee. And, and so what they're looking for, the team, is one, that you're not going to take their job. So just FYI. Um, so you want to <laughs> show collaboration during that call. You want to show how you're a team player, how you give other people credit, not just yourself. So like those are really important pieces to pull into that. But they're also looking for your personality. And your confidence level, are you going to come in and be a huge lift for us? Or are you going to come in and help give us something new? And so really it's, it's looking at your stories, not from the mundane, but from the places where you're going to lift up your energy and share who you truly are as a candidate. That is the biggest differentiator in interviews. And then we get moved to that supervisor or hiring decision maker interview. And this could take a couple of rounds because, you know, I have heard some people recently going through six to seven rounds of interviews. that too. Wow. I know. I know. It seems inefficient. For the the companies doing six to seven rounds, not for C-suite roles, um, they should go back to the drawing board and see how they can be a bit more efficient. Um, It's a lot of time and it's a big investment on the candidate side, which is where, where I look first, especially as an employer, I never want someone going through eight rounds and then not choosing them. That would be, I just would never do that to somebody, but it happens. Oh, brutal. Okay. So, so I want you to kind of think throughout that process, you're going to be meeting with team. You're going to be meeting maybe with HR, and then you're going to be working with this like decision maker. Who's going to sign this check? Who's going to like check the box and say, yes, you're the candidate. When you get to that round, things get a little different. And so that's where you bring even more confidence in what your personal impact was and what makes you different as a candidate. And so there's two questions that I'm a huge fan, no matter what role you're ever going to be applying for, that you're able to answer and have like a step-by-step process in your mind. And so one is, how do you solve problems? Mm. If I asked you today, like, you know, what's your approach to problem solving? 
most people are going to, well, I mean, I, I kind of, I do this and then I do that and, and a little bit of that and the sprinkle of this. <laughs> what happens is that as an employer, I'm like, oh, I'd have to like teach them how to problem solve internally, right? Versus mapping it out. So an answer, you know, um, well, first I do root cause analysis. So I'm going to work with the team who's involved with the problem or the client. I'm going to get feedback from people. Then after the feedback, I'm going to compile that into a document so that I can see any of the thread or the trends. Then next, I actually come up with a, a first solution. I test the solution and then I reiterate. Okay. So like I'm making that up, but like this could be a, a problem solving methodology. When you come to an interview, knowing the answer to that, any question they ask you, think about this, any problem they throw your way that's specific to their company, you're now able to answer. Mm -hmm. And what I find a lot of people fear is, well, I don't know your internal process, right? So like, as you're interviewing, it's very easy to be like, well, I don't know how you do things. And I've, I've heard people on an interview say that to me and I'm like, whoa, like, I need to know your process, not mine, right? If you have a process, I can teach you mine. If you don't have a process, I have to start from scratch. Right. Yeah. So, so when you come up and say, well, you know, that's an interesting problem. So you're saying that, you know, the client came back with multiple changes and that the team wasn't aware of it and whatever. Okay. You re reiterate their problem. Well, generally, this is how I approach problems. First, I want to go to the root cause. I want to interview all of the team members and all the client, you know, people involved. Then I'm going to create a document, right? And you walk through this. But for this specific situation, it seems like that document was already created. So I'd be diving in on solutioning. And here's where I would start. And you cannot answer how they wanted you to and still mark really, really high because you have a process. Yes. And that's, that's mm. a huge miss for most people who are interviewing. They're like, well, I don't know how to do that because I don't know your process and they give up. I'm not hiring someone who's going to give up. Yeah. Right. Mm. And that might sound harsh, but as an employer, I want someone who's resourceful. I want someone who's going to like challenge me and my process. So if you have a better process, I might implement yours. Yeah. It's also such a great way to frame and think about your stories like you were referring to before. And I love that your advice for saying, well, typically or generally. So that's taking it away from this idea of like, I need to specifically answer exactly how you would want this done, but be like right. generally, maybe not exactly. And it, it right. softens, it softens the landing a little bit and it takes a little of that pressure off. That's right. That's right. And, and it also, it, it's still answering and they're able to probe you deeper now because they know your process. Mm -hmm. So you're creating dialogue. And then the, the other question that I really love to just kind of get in your mind for a process is how do you approach project work? So like, what's your approach mm -hmm. to a new project? Right. So like for me, it's always for a couple of days. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> it depends if it's a kitchen remodel. Right. Oh my God. I, this, we, we just did our fourth uh, last week. So yes, I, I feel you. Um, but, but when you, when you say, well, you know, I, I generally, right. Generally I, I approach work from the perspective of, I want to understand the outcome we're going after first. 
I want to understand who are my resources and what are my resources. And I compile that. Then the first stage is to map out a strategy, then create the roadmap, then, you know, execute. Okay, great. So again, if they throw, well, this is what we're working on. This is a big, you know, big project we're currently working on. If we gave you this element of that, how would you begin and what would you do? And you say, generally, and this also buys you time, by the way, uh, right? Brilliant. So so it buys you time to be thinking, well, okay, this is the problem or the, the opportunity they're sending my way. Let me just talk generally what I do. So my approach is typically to do this, 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 and this. It sounds like your team has already done the evaluation on that. Is that correct? So they've already worked with the client and gotten the requirements. Yes, they have. Okay, great. So then I wouldn't have to gather the requirements. So I'd be going to the next stage. And now you're following along your stage while answering their question. Mm -hmm. So if you miss something, because this is, this is what happens with hiring managers, especially ones that are not great interviewers. It happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, They want the perfect answer right? They want you to hit all of the buttons. Oh, but they didn't send the email back to the client or, oh, they forgot this. But if you cover that in your general, this is what I do typically, but for this project, I would do this. You've covered both ends. You've filled the gaps. Yeah. So it's, it's a very strategic way to get prepared, but also feel very comfortable during the interview process. It's like showing your math. You can, you, even That's if right. you got the wrong answer, you can get partial credit. That's for, right. right. Showing how you such got a there. great analogy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I do love the idea of buying yourself time because there is nothing for me, just being for myself, nothing scarier than an interview. Even if I know I'm there to be asked questions and then give answers when they ask me the question, it's scary. Yeah. And my brain goes into that kind of fight or flight. And so to have a phrase that you can use that buys you a second for your brain to catch up is that's great advice. Yes. Well, and talking about making your brain freeze up, I don't know why it, it's kind of like when people ask us what we like, Missy, and we go, uh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. But the, the, what should be the simplest question, but can just go off the cliff really quickly is tell me about yourself. And you have some really great advice for, I don't want to give away all the great tips from your video. <laughs> Join the membership, y'all. It's worth, it's worth the money. It is worth it. Uh, but can you, just for anybody who's out there who may be um, going into this process, help, help them, help them help themselves by learning how to talk about themselves in an interesting way? Yeah. So the tell me about yourself, a lot of people tend to overindulge. So we hear about high school, we hear about their college endeavors, they hear about, I've heard it all. Okay. So like, (laughs) again, I coach candidates going through this, but I also get to hear candidates as an employer. So, so I get to see both sides of the coin here. And so, you know, my biggest quick advice for tell me about yourself is tying in the common thread of your career, making it sound very strategic. And here's the problem with people not wanting to talk about themselves is you always want to hide what you didn't like in your career, right? So it's like, oh, I don't really want to talk about making that move. And uh, that I didn't really like that boss, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we know the details in the minutia. They mm-hmm. do not. So any move you made in your career that you're going to bring up in your about me 
kind of speech should be strategic. And even if you didn't think it was strategic at the time, go back and see what the growth opportunity was from one role to another. So did you take a role, because this happened during COVID a lot, and, and this is why I think people are struggling with their stories so much now, is say you were furloughed or laid off during COVID, okay? A lot of people left their industry and just got any job when jobs started to open back up. So, you know, you could have a director of operations, and then all of a sudden they're working retail at Target stocking shelves, okay? Right. And they don't want to talk about it. And so mm. you have to find the strategic side of that. So, well, during COVID, and I knew that, you know, there were layoffs coming in my industry because I was a decorative operations at a hotel, okay? And hospitality mm. was, you know, kind of declining very fast. I realized that retail was going to have to stay open. It was one of those opportunities where I could learn a new industry, move from hospitality to retail at a Fortune 500 company understand a little bit more about their operations. And so I made that move and, and it's really helped kind of build both of those industries into my career journey, uh, which makes me a lot more valuable when I'm looking at what you're doing and your, you know, strategy or looking at your roadmap for this year and really looking at this role. I know that having both of those experiences really lends to me being able to come in and make an impact. Right. So like, but we don't see it when we take that role as that was strategic. It's like, right. I'll take anything. <laughs> so when we go back to look at our career and talk about ourselves, you have like, literally you put on the strategic hat. What can I say that I learned? Because every job we learn something, mm -hmm. every single job. And, and I've had jobs where I've been in very toxic work environments and oh my goodness, they've taught me so much. They've taught me who I want to be as a leader, what I'll never do to one of my employees, as well as what my expectations are in my career. And so I can very easily talk about some of those environments that I've been in and say, yeah, I loved working in that, the, the gym, you know, health and fitness in New York mm -hmm. city, very toxic. Um, it's lovely, <laughs> uh, but I got to meet uh, incredible people. I got to run teams that I still talk to today, like 20 years later, because I made an impact in some of my employees' lives that long ago, yeah. still yeah. want to connect with me. And it taught me what not to do as a manager. Like I was a very young manager. And so like I fraternized a little too much with my team and, and I learned how to set boundaries. So if I were talking from a coaching perspective and someone was hiring me and wanted me to talk about, we'll talk about your career. I'd use some of those stories well, this is a really, you know, pivotal time in my career where I learned how to create boundaries between a boss and employees. So like pick the thing that you learned that then lends itself to the job you're applying to. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. It makes so much sense. It was such a valuable exercise. I don't think I'd ever sat down and really looked at what that thread was through my career and what led me from one to the next. And, you know, I didn't have to really talk about it during the interview, but it just made me feel so more on solid ground and that I was prepared if any of those questions were to come up. And it's just, I think, valuable, even if you're not searching for a job, it really helps you understand yourself and what your motivations are. And if you mm -hmm. are leading by your values or if you're just kind of going by the seat of your pants. So. And I think about imposter syndrome sneaks in a lot. And, mm -hmm. and it's because you're comparing yourself 
to some external perspective rather than Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, I've been doing this. Like, this is right. This feels right. This, this has a tangible history to it. Yeah. Where it doesn't just look, I I love doing kind of exercises that you have to write down things Yeah, because when you see it, it's so much different than feeling it in your gut or your head telling your gut that's not real. Like don't feed into it. Mm -hmm. And, And I think you're able to lean in and make quicker decisions when you have those tangibles in front of you. Yeah. Where I found it the most useful was explaining a lot of the volunteer and unpaid roles because you kind of do have to give some rationale for like why you would do this thing for free for so long or this many hours a week or whatever. Right. Um, Yeah. Which I think also, how would you then weave in for people who have had a career pause? Um, How do you weave that into the about me story or is that something you just leave out and... So we talked about, you make sure it's on the resume, right? Yeah. Like we sure talked about that resume, last time. So it doesn't have to come into the interview. Okay. Um, if your pause, so like I took a pause in my career when I had cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I had surgery and I literally lost my voice. I could not, I could not work. Like I couldn't coach. I couldn't do anything because no one could hear me. Now, if I were getting employed after that, so if I went back to corporate America and my conversation was, well, I took a pause because I I had cancer and I lost my voice and I had a lot of health complications. What's an employer going to think of me? Hopefully that you're human, but I guess. (laughs) What will most employers think of me as? They'll think of me as a liability. liability. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, she could be great, but what if she gets cancer again? And I, I say that from a very firm footing in reality, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that because I'm a pessimist. Like I am the biggest optimist you'll ever meet, but I also have to live in reality. People right. see liabilities before they see assets. Mm-hmm. Red flags. Mm-hmm. One red flag can outweigh 10 assets any day of the week. Okay. Right. So when we're sharing our story, our personal story doesn't have to come in unless that is like a part of the role you're going after. Right. So if I was going for, um, like I had thyroid cancer. So if I was getting a job at like the thyroid cancer center, my story would be fantastic to share because that's part of the passion of wanting to work with them. But outside of that, I don't think there's a place to interject it yourself unless it naturally comes into the conversation. The additional piece is this, is I've been in interviews where someone hasn't put that on their resume. So a lot of people have lost parents and they end up doing hospice care for them. So they'll take like Mm -hmm. a year out of work and come back. If I see a pause on a resume, I'll ask. Mm -hmm. I I am human and I'm curious like, oh, well, what what were you doing for team that that time? If someone said to me, because I've heard it, well, my father passed away and I was his hospice caretaker. The air comes out of my lungs and my heart hurts for this person. And I feel like a total schmo. I really do. Like it's, it's, and getting out of my own ego's way during that moment, is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Even being a very compassionate person, it's difficult to like come back and bring that energy back into the conversation. And so you're doing a disservice to your connection point 
to introduce it too early. And it's like any relationship, you know, we don't start with like the huge deep conversation until we get to know somebody, whether Mm -hmm. as a partner, whether as a new friend, whether as a business partner, you got to get to do that little intro dance before we get super serious. And we're getting so close on time. We are never going to talk about LinkedIn, are we? (laughs) We are not. We're going to have, you have to come back for part three Uh, because I really need some LinkedIn help. So you're, we're going to have to do that. But in the last couple minutes that we have, I want to talk about that moment that happens in, I think, probably every interview where you either get a question that you were not prepared for at all. You never even thought about it. Or you get a question that just is weird and confusing. How do you get through that? So there's two different ones. So let's start with the confusing one first. So because this prompts any time this ever happens during an interview, you have to remember you're interviewing them too. Okay. So... If I got a confusing question during an interview, I would be asking for clarification. However, there is a good way to do this and a not so great way to do this. Okay. Some people will say, well, can you clarify that? I don't really understand. Okay. You hear my tone. So tone Uh one, a little bit off. Okay. And two is you didn't give me context to what needs to be clarified. Mm. Okay. So if I asked a very complex question that I had to read off of my paper, because a lot of hiring teams are given questions. They have to ask the same questions to every single interviewee. Okay. They didn't make them. They're reading them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you say, well, can you clarify that? They're like, I didn't write this. Stupid question. No, I can't actually. <laughs> what? what do you need clarity on? So it's, I'm a little confused if you're looking for and try to solution with them. So like, um, were you looking for a story where I was working one-on-one with a client that's external, or are you looking for a story that the client is the internal team members that we're working with? And it's like, oh, well, we're looking for an external client story. Okay. So if we're looking for the external client story, I have one other question. So you had mentioned that you're looking at a time when you know, there was a a rough patch in timeline and, and we weren't going to hit the timeline. What did I do when we didn't? And I don't have a story that illustrates not hitting the timeline, but I do have a story that was very close, kind of touch and go up until the point where we were able to deliver on time. Would that be okay to use instead? Right? So Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I want to answer your question, but I'm not going to randomly answer and not answer, right? Mm-hmm, because that's right. the that's the biggest fear during an interview is, did I answer the question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, oh my goodness, I can't remember exactly all the words. Did I check the boxes? Yeah. So because you do we, walk away and you think, what happened there? Yeah, what, like, that's right. Because you're a little bit out of your body. Yeah. Well, but it's also because you're not clarifying the ask so that you can walk away feeling mm-hmm. like you've answered the question, mm-hmm. right? So, so a lot of us forget we can dialogue, right? We're, we're not there monologuing. Okay. There is another person in the room or on zoom with you that yeah. you can interact with. And so clarification comes with context. We're not just asking generalized. Can you explain that differently? And I have mm-hmm. been asked that question. So I will say, 
as a coach, I can revamp a question on the fly because that's just my nature. I get questions all day, every day in live format where I need to come up with answers, right? Outside of that, most interviewers can't do that. So if you're like, hey, can you just reframe that? I don't really know if I understand the question. It's like, uh, no. And then they, and then literally, because I've heard this from interviewees, they just read the question again. And I'm like, yeah, because you didn't give them any context to pull from. Mm -hmm. You give context. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to go back to that first question. You said you're asked a question and you just cannot come up with an answer, right? There's two parts to this. One is in technical roles, there are sometimes going to be things you do not know. And it is okay to say that, right? So sometimes it's, you know, tell me a project where you've built it in this particular tech stack and you've never done that. What I recommend saying is I've actually never built a project in, you know, Python. However, I have used such and such, which is similar. Mm. And see if they'll allow you to tell your story based on that. But then Mm. there's the non-technical, right? So the, tell me a time you've worked with a difficult coworker. And I mean, most people that have worked in corporate America, at least, have worked with a difficult coworker. Um, (laughs) So it would be very strange for someone to be like, I don't have a story. But to your point, they may not have it ready, (laughs) Right. So they're like, oh my goodness, I can't think of one. And so if that comes up, then I have a couple of hacks. Okay. And I'm going to show you one of them. I have a seltzer bottle on my desk. So I'm going to grab it. (laughs) And so, um, Missy, that was a really great question. Um, do you mind if I just take a sip of water for a second? And oh, of course. Great. Thank you. Okay. Something with a cat. (laughs) We're not doing this. It takes you a minute. This already has, has it, I could sip it and be done in like five seconds. This, <laughs> open it. Okay. Thank you so much. Sorry about that. That's a great Okay. Trip. So, and now I have literally had like 20 seconds to myself to think, okay. It's completely legitimate for you to need a drink during an interview. And so I always recommend having a bottle with a cap of some sort on your desk. Do not have any profanity or anything on the bottle. Okay. <laughs> so just keep keep that in mind that you have something that's nice. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, like a nice, even a nice water bottle of some sort that's decorative, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it takes you a minute to, to go through it. You take your sip and then you answer. If you cannot think of an answer, like it just does not come to you, I would let them know. I would, I would be very honest with them and just say, you know what? I can't really think of a time right now that I had to work with a difficult coworker. Nothing comes to mind. Um, is there something else that I can answer for you? And try and help them come up with something else because you're working yeah. with them, right? The whole point of the interview is can we create a rapport? Yeah. If you don't give me anything to work with as a, as a interviewer, I think you're being difficult, no right? Yeah. So don't be difficult, be, be resourceful. Cause that's what that comes across as. I like that. I'm thinking of the, isn't that yeah. the $20,000 pyramid or whatever, where if you can skip one and then you go through the rest of the questions at the very end, they go to back to the ones you skipped. Right. <laughs> like, and they could, know, maybe. or they might skip and just continue with the questions. Yeah. 
And if you knock their socks off everywhere else and you didn't have that one story, it's not going to make that big a difference. Yeah. But the communication right. is going to make the difference. Right. Because I imagine it would stand out to them if they're able to say, you know, we kind of stumped her, but she handled it beautifully. Correct. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yep. We didn't get to LinkedIn. And we didn't, we didn't even get so to have to do okay. it. Okay. Well, one of the things I was also going to ask you about, but people are going to have to join the membership um, if they want to learn how you can use the SAR breakdown to yes. answer pretty much every possible, tell me about a time that dot, 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 yes. whatever the case may be. Um, just such a, even if you are not interviewing, I just feel like it helps you think through I don't know, just your general life, like it, having conversations with people and Hands how down. you think through problems. It's just a nice way to, how and do you I also go think about that? networking? Think about when you network with people and you say what you've done in your career or what are you, you know, sometimes you're even out like having a drink with a girlfriend and you're talking about a project they're doing and they're like, oh, I'm just so proud of this. Like what, what's your best, you know, and you can say something, you never know who's going to open the next door for you. Mm-hmm just don't. And so the more you know about the value you've brought, one, always going to help your confidence, always, 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 which is fantastic because you get to help others because of that. And two, you're able to continuously network, not even knowing you're doing it and open new doors for new opportunity, new conversation. Yeah. I think that's so valuable, especially for a lot of the stay-at-home moms who yes. like the day after they leave their six-figure job feel like they're worthless. Like yep. that's a beautiful reminder. Just refresh your own memory about all the amazing things that you're oh, capable of, you that you've done, that. that you're still doing. Um, right. And yeah, it's a, it's a valuable exercise. Oh my gosh, Ms. A, is. we're so, I know. we are officially, and, okay. I think for the look, listen, learns, we each get like one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I noticed one of mine is the same as yours. So we'll do it together. That would okay. be fast. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have to have and, you back again for LinkedIn. I we think are. I, I would we love already it. <laughs> we have the information on where people can find you. It will be in the show notes. But for our, anyone listening who will not go to the show notes, where's the number one place to go where they can find all the information? Yeah, on our website, uh, which is careerorganic.com. We actually have a chat function as well on the website. So any questions like we have live human beings that actually answer. Uh, so at any point, even that's if you're awesome. looking around and you have questions, um, that's a great opportunity to chat with our team. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. So if you're not sure what you what service you need, chat with the not robots. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and they are legit in that group. When you have an emergency question, <laughs> you can just so at Briar or Ashley and they will point you in the right direction. Like watch this video, do this thing. So I can give a seal of approval that they officially are there in the group when you join as well. You are All right. Proof. So look, listen, learn time for anybody who is here for the first time. Welcome. And at the end of each show, we usually spend a couple minutes talking about things that we are watching, learning about, listening to. And this time we are going to do a very accelerated version of it. And should I do you first, Missy? We don't usually put yeah. our guests in the hot seat, but our Briar's already yeah. been through this once, so she knows how to do it. <laughs> we'll do ours together, Suzanne, because I actually have to leave to take my son to an appointment because summer. and it never ends yes um but i noticed suzanne was going to talk about the bear we just finished watching the bear season two so and good. i honestly think it is some of the the best television that i've seen in years it is perfect television it's so good, so good. 
so stressful though the christmas episode y'all take a take a like a break halfway through it if you see jamie lee curtis take a break halfway through this just (laughs) but you won't know it's jamie lee curtis for a minute like she looks so different that's true um but uh the forks episode have you watched it briar no okay so no spoilers but forks my god is probably the best episode of television that i can think of and i oh like I keep getting into conversations about it everywhere I go because like it just blew me away. I love it when television blows me away like that. Like, yeah, that's the best of it. Uh, we just did the finale, and as soon as we were done, Chris is like, "I'm ready to watch the season again." <laughs> so wow, and I yeah. really wasn't sure what to expect after the first season. I thought sometimes things don't go well. I didn't know not, know what was going to go on with this. They just did it so beautifully, and yes. whew, it was fantastic. Yeah, so highly recommend. Yeah. All right. So that was right. our combo so one. <laughs> that was it. That was it. What are you up to, Briar? What do you look listening, learning? We, we are right now, um, my kids and I, my husband is not a part of this. He's watching <laughs> Suits for the first time. Oh, oh yeah. He's, he's like in, I don't know what season now. Um, <laughs> and we are watching all of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, fun. Yeah. We're on the first of the seven. So seven oh. is like two mm-hmm. movies and so now we're on set so we've been literally like jumping and going one to the the next like yeah, over the last fun. couple of weeks so so yes I, my my tv has not graduated to adulthood yet so we're, <laughs> we'll get there soon enough oh i remember i remember I mean, we watched all the harry potters every like yearly we would watch them i think this last christmas is the first christmas that my youngest did not watch them all but still we'll pick every once in a while, pick them up and just be like, yeah. let's just watch. This it's it's a lot of we fun. Have... It's a lot of fun. It's they like fun. quote it now. It's it's mm-hmm. to that level. So yes. yes. Uh, I don't know that my kids have watched it. I'm going to have to check into that, but it's said that is such a fun summer thing to do. We did that with the Marvel movies last summer, yeah. I think where we watched all of them chronologically, like all mm-hmm. the different spinoffs and everything. Ant-Man. And, yeah. All <laughs> along the timeline. And you kind of had to do math to figure out which one really right. went before the other one. And yeah, I mean, it took a while, but it was just a really fun thing to do as a family. So. I love that idea. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. It's a perfect summer activity. Yes. Sitting inside I'm... when it's 105 degrees out. <laughs> it, it It's, it's, oh. today is officially really hot here. So. Oh, what's really uh, hot? Like what? Uh, is it? Mm-mm. I was like, it's finally summer. And my son was like, isn't it already summer mom? And I was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's kind of sad. We're driving to Amarillo to go pick up my son, and I think the temperature is only going to be 99 instead of 105. And my son, my husband sent it, and he's like, look at we're going to have like a nice little cooler break. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, last Saturday for the swim meet, we were like, it's only going to be in the 90s today. Like, that's not so bad. Oh, wow. That's ridiculous, because it was bad. By the end, it didn't matter what it was. It was really hot. Oh, Texas is so dumb. But Jordan's <laughs> oh, right there with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think that we are totally going to turn this into the mom and dot, 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 Briar show, because we're just going to have to keep bringing you back. I really want to get into LinkedIn. And I, know, I really would are. like to talk for the rest of the afternoon, but I have to go take someone to yes. an appointment. Yes. Get in the car. So I'm going to no. hop off. Yeah, get in the hot car and Ugh. off we go. I'm going to hop off, but for real, let's just do a LinkedIn yes. whenever we can get we it scheduled. We will do that. That's yeah, good. we're taking we're taking a month little summer break, but we'll we'll get it, something scheduled. And yeah, thank you. And thank you for helping me get my job and helping me I, not lose my mind this, during that whole process. I am so excited for you. That so was, great. I mean, 
just awesome to see. And I'm really happy that we had the resources like right there at oh, that time. Perfect. So like, it's tomorrow. And I'm like, ah. What do we have? <laughs> yeah. And it really did 10 o'clock at night. I binged some videos and I was ready. So I really, really appreciate all the great resources and all your help along the way. So thank you. Go thank check you. it out, people. Bye, y'all. Yes. Have all a great right. afternoon. Bye. I'm jumping. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>